We're in Job chapter 1 this morning, and we're going to look at verses 13 to the end of the chapter. Before we have the scripture reading, though, I have an important celebration announcement to make. Uh, Terry and Samantha said, uh, be sure and let everybody know we're having a boy. So amen to, to that. Excited for you. I, I remember my mom said about my dad, she was a nut anyway, but she said, your dad was so excited when he found out that you were a boy, I think he's the only one that ever thought he did that. <laughs> so, but but we're, we're, we're excited for you. All right, Job chapter 1, starting at verse 13. I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud from the text. One day when, or verse 12, the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has in your hand is in your hands. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked the, carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that we have this account of Job. Father, for the pain that is obvious and for the strength to survive. We worship you. God, speak by your spirit, Lord. May we be reminded that it's all yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I got a call not uh, too long ago from Ida Hopkins. She said, uh, did Walter and Shirley's son, is he running in the Boston Marathon? Did he run in the Boston Marathon? Well, I know they had gone down to Florida at the time. I wasn't real sure what was going on. And, and, and uh, so I tried to figure out what was going on. I tried to call Shirley, and, and wasn't able to reach her on her cell phone. So I called Greg uh, Stevens, do you know anything? And, but, but anyway, uh, I had found out later on that he did run in the race, and it came in a half hour before the bomb went off. And you think about how close that I mean, it was devastating. But think about how close that was to our own church family being personally touched. Someone that we love and, and pain that, that could have happened there. And, and then it brought me uh, back a few years ago when we took a trip to Pennsylvania, a uh, mission trip of sorts with, with some Lutheran friends and, and youth. And, and we got there and we went to Pennsylvania and, and we went out to that memorial where the plane crashed with a terrorist. 
And, and you remember the story uh, with Todd Beamer as, as, as they were preparing to attack those terrorists. And, and, and he called in Illinois at a center and he, he said the Lord's Prayer with a lady on the other end and said, you know, tell my family I love them. And you remember he said, let's roll. And, and then she wrote a book later and she said, I believe that everything that happened in, in Todd's life, it was to prepare him for that moment, that moment of to be a hero. And you know, I, I thought about that in that case, in that moment in his life. And then I thought about other people who have been through tragedies. And some of the most heroic people that I have witnessed have been caregivers to a loved one who's going through a dreaded disease. And they're exhausted and they're weary. But their love is so evident as they stand by that loved one. And then we come to Job. An amazing verse here near the end of the chapter. Uh, and he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And, and you know, I thought of that hymn. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When that child is, is born. Blessed be the name of the Lord when that child obeys you. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord when uh, the child doesn't obey you and causes heartbreak. Blessed be the name of the Lord on the day of the birth of that child. Blessed be the name of the Lord on the day of the death of that child. Blessed be the name of the Lord in the church family when the church is growing and, and there's a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> and blessed be the name of the Lord when the church is in, in decline. Blessed be the name of the Lord when there is evident harmony among God's people. Blessed be the name of the Lord when there's a disharmony and there's a grumbling. Blessed be the name of the Lord at all times in every way. He is to be blessed because He has the right to give and He has the right to take away. And as we look at Job, he's been through a slugfest of catastrophe after catastrophe. And one reason I read this like I did, he didn't even have time to catch a breath. It, it just came. Quickly and furiously. Uh, Philip Yancey in his book, Disappointment with God, written a number of years ago, he, he writes this. It helps to think of the book of Job as a mystery play. A whodunit detective story. Before the play itself begins, we in the audience get a sneak preview. As if we had showed up early for a press conference in which the director explains his work in chapters 1 and 2. He relates the plot and describes the main characters, tells us in advance who did what in the play and why. In fact, he solves every mystery in the play except one. How will the main character respond? Will Job trust God or deny Him? Later, when the curtain rises, we see only the actors on stage confined within the play. They have no knowledge of what the director has told us in the sneak preview. We know the answer to the whodunit questions, but the star detective Job does not. He spends all his time on stage trying to discover what we already know. He scratches himself with shards of pottery and asks, Why me? What I do wrong? What's God trying to tell me? To the audience, Job's questions should be mere intellectual exercises, for we learn the answers in the prologue. What did Job do wrong? Nothing. He represents the very best. Didn't God call Job blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil? Why then is God suffering? Not for punishment, far from it. He's been selected as the principal player in a great contest of the heavens. But he didn't know it. It would have been so much easier if there had been an answer from heaven. 
But he cried out and all he heard was a celestial silence. God didn't speak directly to him in words. It was pain after pain after pain and no answers. No logical reason. Nothing he could see. Why is this happening? You see, we come at the end of verse 12 and we see that Satan goes out from his presence... And I mean, here's a guy, he is so blessed. We looked at this last week. And he, he was a great businessman. God blessed his business. Uh, God blessed his family. They did the rotation going around to the houses of his sons and everybody would get together and they'd have a feast and, and it was the time of blessing. And, and then he didn't know it, but there's this meeting in heaven between God and the accuser, the Satan, and, and, and all this catastrophe is about to hit Job. He knows nothing about this while he sleeps, but it's about to happen. And, and, and so imagine the scene. Uh, look up here. Uh, we, we find out about him. In verse 5, it, uh, it says, Early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Uh, this was his custom. So imagine a, a, a day. It, it seems like a beautiful day. And Job is thinking about the last meal that he had with his family. And he was worried that there, there was a sense of, of pain and discord among his family. There were some comments that were made, but those comments stuck into the heart. And he could tell that, that there was a little bit of bickering that was going on. And it broke his heart. In Hebrews twelve fifteen, there's a great verse that says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. This was a moment where there was this little bitter root that took root in the heart and began to grow up and defile his family and, and possibly to cause trouble. And, and I could just see Job, and he's praying, and he's saying, God, don't let my family have bad feelings and, and bitterness and, 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 you know, this is great. We're able to get together and support one another and love one another. God, protect us from all of this. And, and, and he's praying fervently and he cares about his family. And, and if you could look outside his window, you could see that there are people preparing the camels to get ready for that great transportation service and take them out. There are farmers out there working with the oxen, plowing the fields, taking care of his great lands. Just a beautiful scene outside as you look at the wealth and the blessing that God has given this man. But then there comes that dreaded knock on the door. It says, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen plowing, the donkeys grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. And he, he's trying to digest that. He's, he, 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 you know, he can't breathe. He feels a tightness. And, but before the message even ends, we read, while he's still speaking, another messenger came. The fire of God fell from the sky, burned up the sheep and the servants. I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. And Job's, what? How could this? While he's still speaking, another messenger came. The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties, swept down on your camels, carried them off. They put the servants to the sword. I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. At this point, he's broken and he says, well, at least I've got my family. At least I've got my children. While he was still speaking, verse 18, 
Another messenger came, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I'm the only one. No, no, no! I can just hear his pain, his emotional collapse. Not my children. Everything, but not my kids. They're my life. They're my heart. Not my family. And, and, and not only the wind taken out of him, but I believe it just he just fell out of out of the pain, out of out of the brokenness of, of what he's facing. And and look here in the text, uh, verse twenty. It starts out. It says that this Job got up. <laughs> I believe he couldn't even stand. He was so weak. But he, he managed to get his strength and get back to his feet in all that pain. And then he tore his robe. This, this robe is not like the tunic that they tore off of Jesus and, and then gambled away at the cross. This was a much heavier coat that was worn at night to keep you warm in, in the freezing weather. But he, he tore this very important garment that, that, that was so necessary because he was hurting so deeply and it was such a deep expression of his pain and of his grief. And then it says he shaved his head. And in the Bible, the hair is described as a, a splendor of one's glory. It, it, it's, a, it's a picture of your, your self-esteem, your, your worth. You know, Daniel and I have been in, uh, practicing for this play that, that starts next weekend. And... Uh, you know, I, I look at some of the... There's this one younger girl, really cute girl. She had her costume on. She's in front of the mirror. Ooh, you know, looking at that. I'm, going, I'm just going, wow. But hey, didn't a 21-year-old guy come over there? You know, messing with his hair, too. You know, looking at that hair. Make sure that hair's in place. Crown and glory of the head. He shaved his hair off. Every picture that you see of Job, he's He's bald. Just in grief, he's just an expression uh, uh, because he's broken hearted. That's where, that's where he is. And then look at the last verb here that's listed in verse 20. And then he fell to the ground, but this time it was not out of grief. He fell in worship. And, and guys, this is the kind of worship that's described here where he sees God in charge God in complete control, and he is submitting to God as he best knows. And the best way to do that is to get as close to the ground as possible to say before God, I'm submitting to you, to get his nose right into the dirt and his toes right into the ground. And to say, God, I just want to get as low as I can, as low as I possibly can, because God, you are to be worshipped. You, you are to be given the praise. And, and then look what he says. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. He says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He says, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. The only one that was excited and happy and joyful about this was Satan and his crew of demons. Because what they were waiting for Job to curse God. They just knew that Job would curse God. And they spit in disgust as he praised God. 
as he said, Lord, it all belongs to you. You see, it was at that moment, although he was a rich man, he did not put his trust in his riches. Although he was a man who loved what he had, it wasn't what he had. It was who he loved. It was God. And even the pain of saying that even my children belong to you. Think about it. You know, go home, walk through your house, look at all your stuff. I remember one time reading one of James Dobson's book, and he said, you know, if you sit around and you think, it took money to buy this stuff, and I had to get money in order to get it. One time this was important, and now it's got dust on it. It's just sitting there. One time that was... And, and you know, if you're not careful, your stuff can own you instead of you owning your stuff. And, and so a lesson here is, hold everything you have loosely, because it'll hurt less when God has to wrench free your grip. He said that, I can just see him at the grave of his, of his children as he whispers in his wife's ear, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Listen to a verse here in Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 7. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. You don't see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Job had learned this lesson. These things that we often consider so important that we can't live without, we can. Even the people we think, even our children, even the people we love, we think, they belong to me. They're mine. Hey guys, they're God's. Listen to Psalm 24, verse 1. Uh, both these are great memory verses. 1 Timothy 6, 7 and Psalm 24, 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all the people who live in it. Now, that's pretty inclusive. The earth is the Lord's, the world, everyone in it. It's God's. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think, I'm supposed to have this, or, or, or this is the way it's supposed to work. Listen, God's the only one in charge. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And you could put this message into three simple words. Hold loosely your hands. Or I guess. <laughs> Hold loosely your hands. We don't know. We don't know. An amazing thing here is Job at the end, he did not sin against God. He trusted God. What an example. You know, you look in James uh, chapter 5, verse 11, um, and, and it talks, uh, he talks about um, blessing those who have persevered. And he says, you have heard about Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. There have been people throughout the ages who have looked at Job... And they have found strength as they looked at, at how God in His compassion and mercy worked even through the worst possible scenarios. And as I come to the end of this message, as I come to the, the end of that, I guess that lesson is so clear to me. Be careful what you're holding on to because you don't know when God may take it back.
we have an invitation or a time of response that goes along with that. There's one who came here and for 33 years he held on to everything loosely. He didn't have a place to lay his head, we read about in the scriptures. The crowds came to him and he healed them and he loved them and he gave himself away to them. He had to go apart sometimes and get some rest and some food and all that. But his, his goal was to seek and save that which was lost. And he held on to it loosely until he went to the cross and gave it all away. And the Bible says that that is where life is found. Not in what we have, but in knowing the one who loves us, Jesus Christ. And, and so at this invitation, if you have never placed your faith, your confidence, your trust in Jesus Christ, it's a time for you to do that where you are. Just do business with God. You know, let Him know, hey, I realize I need you in my life. I need to be forgiven. I need you to enter my heart. I want to be made new. And when you, you put that in your own words and you just have that conversation with God, He promises that that's what He'll do. He'll forgive you. He'll, 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 he'll give you that relationship that you need. He's going to be there. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Everything else we think is important, it can be ripped away from us. But God says, I'll be there. Like, like a Trey said, you know. He says, you might be a rough journey there, but you know, there's the soft landing when we enter His arms. We have an altar that's open. I, guys, there's a lot of pain that's experienced here. Of course, we look at Job, it came bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Maybe you feel like you're you just bam, 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 bam. God is never too busy to listen. You don't have to come to this altar, but it's just a sign that when you pray, it's saying, God, I'm just submitting myself to you like Job falling prostrate. God, I want to come and I want to just, I need you, Lord, I'm going to bow right, right where you are. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to look at your word and to look at this account, Lord. Father, you, you strengthened Job at a time where you had to strengthen him. There's no other way, no other strength. Before the message even stopped, another message came. And Father... It reminds us that we think that nothing will change. We think that no disasters around the corner, but we don't know. Father, we just worship you. You know, naked I, I came into this world, naked I'll depart. And may the Lord be blessed, be praised. He gave and he, he can take away. So, Father, in this time we call response. May we respond to you whether it's right where we are or whether it's to come to the front, to the altar, or before your people. Father, we just want to recognize you as this one in charge, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.